Morning, everyone. It's good to be here. I always love being here. It's good to see you. And um, this, I'm going to start now with prayer, because I'm going to be speaking on prayer and fasting. I'm actually fasting right now. I've been fasting since breakfast in communion. <laughs> it's very spiritual like that. I'll be fasting till I get home, um, like all of you. Unless you brought some snacks. So let's pray. Father, I thank you that we get to call you Father in the prayer rooms of our life. No other people on the face of this earth have been allowed by their God or their gods to call them Father, only us. And you don't prescribe any forms of prayer. You just invite all of who we are into all of who you are in the prayer room of our lives. Speak to us this morning. God, I, I only speak with words, but your spirit speaks to our spirits. Speak to us this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. So here's a question. Have you ever prayed? <laughs> Why did you pray? I'm actually I'm going to a whole string of questions. Why? Did you pray, or why does anyone ever pray? I mean, why do we pray? Do we just pray to make us feel better about a situation, or do we actually believe that prayer changes a situation, or both? Have you ever wondered a question like this? Doesn't God have a will, which he's going to do anyway, and does my prayer change that will? And then how much do I have to pray to change that, or for God to do that? Because it's like, like, how much do I have to pray, you know, like for that parking spot at a busy event? Because like, I actually meet people who are like, every time I go to a busy event, I pray for a parking spot, and God gives me one right there. Any, any of those people in the room? Please. You know, Justin says, that's his favor on his life. That's awesome. God keeps me fit. I walk. <laughs> or for healing. Like, how much, like... Do I have to pray to get that healing or to change a country? I mean, we actually live in a country with remarkable instances of prayer. I remember when I was 13 years old, preceding the 94 elections, stadiums all over our country filled with people praying. Anyone go to some of those events? I did. Just, I think last year or the year before, I'm not sure, I think it was the year before, we had a prayer event in our nation in the middle of the country somewhere uh, with a million people there. Do you remember that? A million people at a prayer event in our country. Let me tell you, you get a million people at a, at a, at a political march, that makes international news. We had a million people praying. How does that happen? Because <laughs> people drove far to be there. God, by his spirit, I mean, our, prayer, our country has these remarkable 
stories of the power of prayer and how God's drawn people into the space. You know, everyone in the, for people of faith, prayer is like the most normal thing. Everyone in the Bible prayed. Here's the thing I love, even Jesus prayed. Because like, that's funny, right? Because he is God. And then he prays to the Father. And you're like, well, did he, what happened if Jesus didn't pray? Would the Father not have worked? Because <laughs> like, I, I wonder about that stuff. But Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed before, all night before he went out and picked his disciples. He prayed uh, when his cousin John the Baptist was executed. He prayed uh, many times early in the morning. It said that he was out praying. Paul, Peter, John, all these guys, they prayed regularly and frequently. It was a normal part of their lives. And so the question is, what role should prayer play in our lives? And here's another question, because we're finishing our But God series today. Are there some but God moments available to us if we would pray? And what kind of prayer do we need to have to enter into these but God moments? So that's what we're going to dig into today, and we're going to, I'm going to end by speaking about fasting. So here's a starting verse. Here's how not to pray. When you pray, I like that Jesus says, when you pray, not if you pray, when you pray. Don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. Gentiles are people who don't know God. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. You see, every faith system in the world, as far as I know, uh, has a form of prayer, and generally speaking, it's a prescribed form of prayer. So you don't get to choose how you pray. You get to told to pray these certain prayers at this time of the year or at these type of situations or five times a day or for one hour or seven times over. Like there's a prescription. Someone else has decided this is how you pray. And Jesus gives us a form of prayer. He taught his disciples how to pray. It's called the Lord's Prayer. But it's not a prescription. It's something that we get to learn from and extend into our life. It's amazing that God doesn't say, okay, you have to pray. If you might follow, you have to pray five times a day. You have to pray these prayers. You have to pray this often. You have to, he, doesn't, he leaves it completely up to us. Isn't that extraordinary freedom? And why does he do that? Because it's there. Your heavenly Father knows. You see, we're not coming to a God that we don't know. We're coming to a God who said, you get to call me Father. My dad didn't give me an information book on how to come into his presence. In fact, he was more keen to be there than I was. Most of the time. Like, especially when I was a teenager. <laughs> didn't want to hang out with dad too much. He wanted to hang out with me. My son, at the moment, he's at the age of six months, so cognitively he's learning to recognize and he realizes when mom and dad are out the room and when they come back, which makes peekaboo really fun. Because <laughs> he looks for me now. So I go out the room and I go, where's dada? And he's, and he's like, and then I come back and I say peekaboo and he smiles. Your father. Do, do you get that? Your father. It's about relationship, and you, you know the Psalms are full of prayers. In some senses, they're scandalous because of how raw and intimate they are in the expression of what someone's going through. 
Because God wants all of you, all of you is invited into his presence to pray prayers of intimacy and connection because he loves you. I think it's outrageous that we get to call out God Father. We're the only people group on the planet that gets to do that. And so he says, don't be like the Gentiles who don't know me as a father. They think that they heard by their many words. It's like I've said this seven times over, 13 more to go. And like does, if you stop at 19, because that's seven plus 13 equals 20. So like if you stop at 19, like does he not answer? Or does he just give you 95%? You know, it's like it's an interesting question. And, and, and Jesus says, don't be like that. You get to have this relationship. And before I, I knew God as a father, before I was born again, because I grew up in a Christian home, but I didn't know God. I, was, I wasn't born again. I used, to, I used to be a babbler. Because I knew I had to pray. I just found it like lots of hard work. Like, oh, this is tiring. I remember when I was eight, because I knew I had to pray. And I knew when you, when you do things that are bad, you've got to say sorry to God. So, like, and I used to feel guilty a lot, like the little Pharisee in me was quite strong already. Uh, and so I devised this clever tactic. I said, oh, I'm tired of praying these prayers again and again. So I'm just going to write them out. And I gave them prayer number one. I wrote out my prayer. Prayer number two, wrote out my prayer. So then when I felt bad, I just said, hey, God, prayer number one. <laughs> it's quite smart for an eight-year-old. Because like, I know, hey, you saw me write that thing. It's right there, prayer number one. It's a true story. Because I felt guilty, so I have to pray. Not, I got to be with the Father, I get to pray. So how do I do that as quickly as possible to get it out of the way, but still be okay with God, which is what prayer looks like if you don't know God as God or as a Father. So that's how we don't pray. How do we pray? See, see, here's what happened. When I actually met Jesus, I remember being at a church service like this, and there was this guy speaking. His name was Fernando Skinner. He was a Brazilian missionary. And he said when he met Jesus and he was born again, he, he wanted to know God as his father, and so he used to wake up every night at 1 a.m. and pray and say, God, I want to know you. He used to pray for an hour. So I listened to that and said, I want to do that too. I'm going to wake up. So I was like 17 at the time. I'm going to wake up every morning at 5 or 5.15. You get a teenager to get up before the sun gets up. That's a miracle, okay? Because <laughs> I want to know God. And I remember getting up and getting dressed in my uniform and making myself a cup of coffee and going to the bottom of the garden and in that space having exhilarating experiences because I realized that God came to be with me. Sometimes it felt like as I walked down the garden that God was waiting for me there because I'd walk into his presence. And there's an exhilarating experience as I learned to connect with God in prayer. I just, it hasn't always looked like that, but that's how it was then. And I'll tell you some of the reasons why I, I, I lost some of that magic or that joy. James 5.16, this is how you should pray. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Anyone here want to pray in such a way that you've got great power and produce wonderful results? Raise your hand. Okay, this is for you. Listen up. Two things you need to do. Number one, earnest prayer. The Greek word for earnest is energio, like energy, energetic prayer. To which, like, if you're like, oh, that sounds like so much hard work, I say nonsense. You know, repetitive work is hard, repetitive prayers are hard work. It's like I've done seven, I've got 13 more to go. This is so boring, but I'm going to do it. If you're 
passionate about something, there's plenty of energy. I get passionate about, uh, I get energetic about all sorts of things. Spearfishing. If I had a hobby, hobby that you, you got energy for, I, uh, there's been times I've woken up, when I was in Australia, I woke up at 2.40 in the morning to drive for two and a half hours, to climb on a boat for 14 hours while I, not eating because you don't want food in your stomach, and then to get off that boat and then drive two and a half hours back and I got home, I was like, best day of my life. There's energy for it. I get energetic about silly things. I get excited about calendars. Calendar planning, ooh, you're very excited. The guys in the office know. It's like, ah, strategy, I love it. I look forward to those times. It's weird, like you're going, that's weird. I, I get energetic about pharmacy sales. <laughs> like I get excited. I go to, like my friends are here on the front row, they're saying, yeah, it's true. Like my wife knows when I'm going to disc him, she wants to take away the credit card, give me cash. <laughs> because there's going to be something unspecial. Let me tell you, I get excited about effervescent tablets. Because <laughs> when I see that thing go in that glass and it fizzes, I'm like, oh, I feel healthy. <laughs> it's weird, right? But like, I get excited about e-bucks as well. And some of you are laughing. I get 700 rand a month from my bank in e-bucks. Now you're listening, huh? Text <laughs> that. I've got plenty of energy for lots of things, and so do you. Is it any surprise that we should bring energy to prayer if we get to be with the Father? Second thing, the earnest prayer, the energetic prayer of a righteous person, in the King James Version, availeth much, produces wonderful results. And this is where so many of us struggle, and this is for me where so often my prayer life felt like it had the heart ripped out of it because I just didn't think I was righteous in God's sight. I didn't feel good enough. Have you ever been invited to be a part of something you didn't quite feel like you belonged in there? I remember when I was in grade seven, the coach invited me and he said, I want you to be the hockey captain. And I said to him, I don't really think I'm a leader. You should ask that guy to do it. Because I didn't feel qualified for it. And you know what he said to me? He said nothing. He said, okay. <laughs> I was going to tell you that story about how the teacher believed in me. And he said, I see a leader in you. And I started believing in myself. And he, changed, he didn't. He just said, okay. Um, <laughs> you missed his opportunity for me to tell a story about him. Doesn't matter. Jesus believed in me. Because if you don't think you're righteous in God's sight, you'll come into prayer, into the throne room of prayer, apologizing for being there because you don't think you belong in that space. You'll disqualify yourself from what your birthright is because you don't feel you belong in that space. You'll spend the first 15 minutes apologizing for being there because you don't think you belong there. And let me tell you, it's very hard to be excited about that. It's impossible, actually. So I'm going to go pray. Oh, God, I'm sorry I'm here. No, really, God, I messed up. Whew, it's bad. If you had come to Bible school on Tuesday, you would have heard another Blair preaching on this, not me, another Blair preaching on this verse. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested, has been revealed to us apart from the law. In other words, apart from our behavior, apart from our obedience, apart from what we do, apart from our performance. In other words, apart from anything you do, you can't be qualified or disqualified. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through, say it with me, faith 
in Jesus Christ for all who believe. If your faith is in Jesus Christ, you're one of those all, and there is a righteousness for you which isn't your own righteousness, it's the righteousness of God. He gave you his righteousness, which means when he looks at you, he goes, man, you're as righteous as I am. That is absolutely scandalous. And if you're like, I don't know about that, the blood of Jesus is so powerful It has obliterated your sin and rendered you righteous in the sight of God so that when you come into the prayer room of faith, you are a righteous person and I'm as righteous as God in this space because he gave me his gift of his righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. So now that you know you're as righteous as Jesus, you know that you are qualified because it says a righteous person, the earnest prayer of a righteous person Availish or accomplish as much as powerful produces wonderful results. That means that for you, there is a prayer life that's available that's powerful and produces wonderful results. Isn't that amazing? You're fully qualified for it, and it's your birthright, it's your destiny. Same like any other believer. Hebrews 11, 6. And it's impossible to please... God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those that sincerely seek him. And so it's impossible to please God without faith. I'm going to explain why in a moment. But if you come to him, you must believe he exists. Obviously, otherwise you won't go to him. And secondly, and that he rewards those that sincerely seek him. Do you understand that there's a reward for you as you seek God in prayer? And it's not wrong to want it. In fact, if you don't believe there's a reward, you won't go. Because sometimes we're like, oh, no, God, you don't need to reward me. Very humble. And he says, if you don't believe he rewards those that seek him, you won't go to him. You get to go to God and say, God, I'm going to seek your face. Because I believe when I'm with you, I'm the best version of who I am. You give me love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. You bring me, give me discernment. I can approach situations with confidence and insight because you're with me. And there's breakthrough all around me. Why faith? Why does God say without faith it's impossible to please me? Faith is the real deal. Faith is the thing. Here's the thing. In all human intimacy, in all human relationship and functionality and connection, trust, which is the human version of faith, everything hinges on trust. Think of business dealings. You know, people used to say, we we do business on a handshake. Trust is so strong that we just make a handshake. It doesn't exist anymore. Now we have contracts, and you only trust a person to the degree that you can enforce the contract. Think employees. If there's a breach of trust, it generally often terminates a working relationship. Or if you've got a teammate who says, consistently says he's going to do something and doesn't deliver, you stop trusting them, and the whole team suffers. Think of the Navy SEALs. Why do you think they're so good at what they do? It's not just because they're patriotic and they fit. Because they absolutely trust the person next to them. Why? Because they've got a a grueling selection process. I've got a a friend. He's about 85, I think, 87. His name's Eddie Halls. He was uh, in the South African Navy back in the day. And he said on their basics, they did basic training. And there was a trench, and they're all there. They're doing the grenade-throwing exercise. So they all had live grenades. And you hold the lever down, you pull the pin, and you keep holding the lever until you throw it. And there was this one guy next to him that said, 
Sorry, sir, this thing is smoking. He had forgot to hold the handle. And the instructor grabbed that grenade and threw it over the top and went off just as it went over the top. He nearly killed himself and his mates next to him. That guy is not becoming a Navy SEAL. <laughs> because when the chips are down and you've got that guy next to you, you've got no trust that he's going to come up with the goods when you need him to. The reason the Navy SEALs work is because they've got a grueling selection process so that when the chips are down and you're under pressure, you know that person has been tested cognitively, mentally, emotionally, physically, and they will be able to perform under pressure. That's why they operate at such a high level. Trust. Think of a marriage. When there's a broken trust, when there's broken trust, it's so hard to repair, and God does repair it, but there's a grieving process because what became so easy in the beginning, now I've got to work at. Kids naturally trust their parents, but when parents break that trust, there's a pain in their heart that they've got to deal with. Trust underpins all human relationship, and so God says, this is the main thing, that you've got faith, that you trust me. Because if we're going to trust him to heal us and save us and deliver us and provide for us, it, that's what it comes down to, just like any other area of life. And so God says, without faith, the God version of trust, it's impossible to please me. And here's the thing, is that trust is built in human relationship when we go through difficult times. And those people, you know those times in life when you just feel unlovely and unlovable? And in that moment, your friend or your spouse is there closer than normal. It builds intimacy and connection because you trust them that they will be there for me even when I'm unlovely, even when I think I'm unlovable, which is why hard seasons in relationship lived well produce greater trust and greater intimacy. And here's the thing. God had the hardest season before you came to him. Not when you were already in relationship before you came. The Bible says... That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The hardest season, he gave all he could, his own son. How much more shall he in him freely give us all things? He does the hardest thing on the off chance that you accept that invitation because of his absolute radical commitment to you. In other words, he says, you've got every reason to trust me. And here's the funny thing is the more I pray, the more I trust God. Because as I pray the word of God, as I pray the scriptures over my life, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of Christ, the good news about Jesus. As I pray the gospel, thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, you died for my sins. Thank you, God, that I'm chosen from before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1. And it gave you great pleasure to, to choose me and to call me your son. As I'm praying those things, the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and He applies it to my spirit and faith comes. So you don't just need faith to pray. When you pray, you build faith. And uh, I don't really want to try and convince anyone to be a praying person. I think I've already covered the reasons we don't pray. It's because we don't believe we're righteous or we don't believe he's really a good father or we don't believe he rewards us. Like God rewards us. It's amazing. Because, you know, it's interesting, like when you're really exhausted, what do you think the reward is? The reward is a holiday, 
a couch, some junk food, and series. Am I the only one? Can I get an amen from anyone in here? But like that's, that's what I'm thinking the reward is. And I don't want to like have your holiday. Just don't think there's greater reward in that than in your prayer closet and the times of prayer. Because in that space, God can invigorate, He can energize, He can heal, He can make whole. And so often we think there's greater reward elsewhere and God's just going, man, just come to me. I'll reward you. Fasting. I'm trying to spend about seven minutes on fasting. Because we're all hungry, got to go home to eat. I'm joking. There's moments in life where the, our prayers are so earnest because of the situation we're in, where it's just like prayer just doesn't cut it anymore. And I need like prayer on steroids. And for that, God's given us the gift of fasting. And again, God doesn't instruct believers you have to fast. He just says that we get to fast. Jesus actually says that in John 9, 14, 15, one day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom, that's Jesus, will be taken away from them and then they will fast. So fasting actually is a fairly normal part of the Christian life. And it's available to you. And I really want to try and help you believe that there's an adventure in the space for you. You know, uh, pretty much every believer in the Old Testament, a lot of them fasted. Daniel fasted. Jonah fasted. Esther fasted. David fasted. Jesus fasted. Paul fasted. In fact, Paul was fasting uh, when he came and got healed because he was blind because of his Damascus Road experience. And then the church of Antioch was fasting when the Holy Spirit spoke to them to set aside Barnabas and Paul to go on a mission journey. And then they fasted some more to commission them and send them off. You know, Daniel fasted. He, he fasted because he was surrounded by a lavish, sinful culture. And you say, well, I'd fast too if I was surrounded by Babylon, this lavish, sinful culture I wanted to be, uh, uh, stay pure of. Anyone feel like you're surrounded by a lavish, sinful culture that you're struggling to stay pure of? There's a gift of fasting for that. Jonah fasted because he was in the belly of a fish. So I'd fast too if I was in the belly of a fish. Firstly, there's nothing delicious here to eat in a half-digested fish food. Ever felt so trapped in a dark space you can't see your way out? There's a gift of fasting for that. Esther fasted because the, the Babylonians, I think it was the Babylonians, maybe another nation by that stage, uh, were going to wipe out the Jews, and so she called the nation of Israel to fast for deliverance, and they did. And maybe you were going, well, I'd fast too if my people were about to be wiped out. Ever found yourself concerned for your nation? And Jesus fasted because he was in the wilderness, 40 days and 40 nights. And you're like, well, I'd fast too if I was in a wilderness experience. Ever had a wilderness experience where you're like, God, I just need you to break through into this space. See, fasting is a normal part of the Christian life. And you go, why fasting? Why go without food? So what fasting, if you don't know what it is, is to voluntarily go without food for a period of anything from a one meal to 40 days, I think is the longest I've heard of. I oh, once had a, a friend in Jerusalem, an older guy, he, fast, he did a 40-day water fast. When I fast, generally speaking, I'll, I'll drink fruit juice because the sugars help my brain, and coffee. Like, I've got more faith to go without food than without coffee, you know? It's like, we've all got our own measure of faith, you know what I'm saying? Um, 
And I said, yo, was it hard? He said, yeah, on day 38, I felt a bit weak, so I had some fruit juice. I was like, sure. <laughs> but I was actually I was surrounded by people that fasting was a normal part of their, their lifestyle. And um, so voluntarily go without food for a period to pray and to seek God because the earnestness, the thing, the situation you find yourself in is so pressing. You're like, God, I need breakthrough. God, I need to. And you know what happens? You've got these two parts of your being. You've got the physical part of who you are and you've got the spiritual part of who you are. And eating is feeding the physical part. And what you do when you say, I'm not going to eat, is you, it's like this, the physical part of who you are gets quiet and the spiritual part of who you are gets loud. That's the best way I can explain it. If you've never tried it, try it sometime. You know, when I came to faith, my mom and my youth leader had agreed to a period of prayer and fasting for me. I remember when I first was, a, I believe I was a youth leader in our youth group, I was 17, and we saw our youth group go from like 25 kids to over 100 kids, and we saw people getting saved, and every Friday we used to fast, teenagers, going out food for a day. It's a miracle. I mean, I literally used to eat a loaf of bread a day, plus breakfast, lunch, and supper. No, seriously. But we used to fast, and we'd say, God, we want to see kids get saved. Then I became a youth pastor, and I remember sometimes we, we used to have these really big youth events of like 12 kids, and I was like, God, you, I'm joking. Uh, God, I've got to see you break in to our youth group. And so I got the youth together, and I said, guys, we're going to pray, and we're going to fast. We had an all-night prayer meeting. We're going to pray all night. We want to see our friends get saved. We had a youth camp coming up, and we're going to fast. Some people fasted one day, some three, some five. Teenagers, five days fasting. God, please save our friends. And we invited their friends. There were 34 kids on that, on that youth camp. I remember the first Friday night, the first chord was struck, and the presence of God was so thick. There were 34 teenagers on the floor for three hours as God broke in and radically saved people. I remember when God called me into ministry, I realized God had called me to ministry during a season of prayer and fasting. I was wrestling with the sense, am I called to ministry? And I said, God, I'm going to fast. I need to hear your voice. And God spoke to me so clearly. And I knew this is what God had for my life. I remember when God spoke to me about getting married, marrying Teresa. It was during a season of prayer and fasting that God spoke to me. And all of a sudden, some of you are listening. You're like, yo, I need to fast this. Try this fasting thing, yeah. I remember coming to this realization that I had put ministry before God, that ministry was my idol, and going on a season of prayer and fasting, saying, God, please heal my heart, and watching God within the space of a few days do this and that. The Spirit of God leads you. Be open. Because there are some moments and there are some experiences and there are some but God moments for you that are available to you because you give yourself to prayer and fasting. Can I tell you something? I've been on, on seasons of fasting where I've slept better, I've had more energy, and I've felt sorry when they've ended because of my sense of connection with God in those seasons. Because what you realize in those times is that your spirit man, your, the Bible calls your spirit man, is loud and connected to God and he sustains you. And you've got this great reminder called a stomach that tells you to pray. Someone said to me after the first service, says, yo, that means I wouldn't have to train. 
I would be able to train. I was like, yeah, you'd have all that time that you spend training to pray. And all the time that you spend making food and eating it to pray. And a stomach to remind you to pray. It's awesome. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do, church. We're calling our church to a day of prayer and fasting. On the 8th of May, we've got our elections. And so on the 6th of May, a Monday, we're calling this community to spend a day praying and fasting and saying, God, we believe that the earnest prayers of a righteous people is powerful and produces wonderful results. And so we're going to come before you in prayer and fasting and ask that you do a miracle for our nation. You're invited. And we're going to end that evening with a time of praise and worship. And we're going to ask the God of heaven to do something amazing in our midst. Because we believe he's given us the tools to shape history. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much that even now I get to call you Father. And I get to all of who I am is invited into all of who you are in this place called prayer. And Father God, I just I pray that your people would know that there's, there's mysteries and there's adventures and there's joyful moments and joyful seasons, God, that they can plunge headlong into. And you've invited them, God, to experience you in wonderful ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Last thing, if you would like prayer for anything, we've got a prayer team at the front after this. Please come forward. Someone will be able to pray for you. Thank you so much. Go grab some coffee and some lunch. Cheers.